Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. (laughs) Oh, here we go. So grateful to join with you. So grateful. I'll just tell you right now, Bodhi and Sattva, my dog and my kitty, are so playful and rambunctious. So let's hope they let me do (laughs) my job here. Ah, I'm so grateful to join with you. We're transcending time and space and allowing ourselves to remember our true nature and our true identity already is perfect love, so we do not have to make it happen. Yay! We're just letting go of everything we've picked up along the way. Yes, the dust and grit of the journey as Howard Thurman called it. So let's join together in a blessing, in a prayer. We are grateful and thankful to place our hand on our heart and partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We are interested in God's plan for salvation. We're interested in knowing the truth that sets us free. We're interested in loving ourselves and knowing the truth of our being. We are grateful to let all that is false dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so we never energize it, entertain it, or are interested in it again. We're grateful to allow ourselves to fully rest in the knowledge of pure and perfect truth. Mm, So grateful to share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Perfect love is what we are. And our topic this week is God's plan for salvation. So I was reading uh, in chapter 12, the Holy Spirit's curriculum in section one, which is entitled The Judgment of the Holy Spirit. And it talked about God's plan for salvation and it lit me up as being our topic for today. So, it, I'm going to start with uh, the, the paragraph five here. And we're, we're told, 
it is surely good advice to tell you not to judge what you do not understand. Yes, this is so helpful. And, you know, for me, in in studying A Course in Miracles, I have come to realize this was something that really woke me up, is that I have been judging everything, but I don't understand anything. One of the themes of my life is feeling confused, confused about life, confused about my relationships, confused about my feelings, confused about my thoughts, confused about my body, confused about everything, confused about how this world works, trying to make sense of living in a place where every day is opposite day, trying to make sense of it. So, It is surely good advice to tell you not to judge what you do not understand. No one with a personal investment is a reliable witness, for truth to him has become what he wants it to be. So this is the nature of projection. We don't see what's there. We see what we're conditioned to see. The conditioned view is the one that we are looking from, and it determines what we see. What we see is determined by where we're looking from. What is our vantage point, our viewpoint, our perspective? What is the lens through which we're seeing? If you are unwilling to perceive an appeal for help as what it is, it is because you are unwilling to give help and to receive it. Okay, so here Jesus is reminding us that we're here to be truly helpful. We're here to answer the cry for love with love. Why would we answer the cry for love with something other than love? Except we don't clearly perceive the cry for love as what it is. So in the world that we live in, we frequently answer the cry for love with punishment, with disgust, with anger, with resentment, with hurt. We see someone in the world who's acting out violently in a way that seems insane, starting wars, uh, killing people, torturing people, raping, pillaging, uh, being a mercenary, withholding all these different crazy, unloving behaviors. And instead of recognizing them for what they are as cry for love, we move into punishing, judging, condemning. It's not the appropriate response. Why? Because we don't see what's really going on. If you're unwilling to perceive an appeal for help as what it is, it's because you're unwilling to give help and to receive it. Now, that last part, very helpful, little wake-up call there, little bing in the mind. 
oh, if I can't perceive the cry for love and answer it with love, then I must not be willing to receive love. I'm having trouble receiving, feeling worthy, and if I don't feel worthy, no one else is worthy. If I don't feel lovable, no one else is lovable. If I'm condemning myself and ignoring my own cries for love, I probably am treating everyone else the same way. To have, give all to all. So to have compassion for yourself, self-love, self-compassion, then have it for other people. This is so helpful to understand, and it's not enough to understand it. We must apply it, really, every minute of every day. One of the things I've been looking at lately is my own self-love and self-care, because I'm interested in sharing it and teaching it with others. Uh, Some years ago, I had a friend who was going through a very, very difficult time. And they came to live with me for a couple of months. And in that time, uh, we, we were together quite a bit throughout the day. I work at home. This person wasn't working. So we were around each other a lot. And we are friends, so that was good. And at the end of the time together, my friend said to me, Jennifer, before I came here to live with you, I I really didn't know what anybody meant when they talked about self-love. I I had no idea. I didn't understand it. I, I didn't see it modeled for me when I was growing up. I didn't, I really didn't connect with that. I didn't comprehended it and I didn't really understand how much I didn't understand it but living with you I've realized what self-love is what real self-love is and believe me this does not make me special but I had to learn that too I had to learn that so I asked spirit to teach me what is self-love what is self-care because I used to be so unkind to myself so much of the time, constantly shooting on myself, constantly judging myself, depriving myself, withholding compassion from myself, a myriad of ways in which I did not love myself, just the opposite. So how did I turn that ship around? I've talked about this before, but I'll just say it again. I I didn't recognize my own cries for love. I really didn't. And I didn't have any compassion for them. But what happened, as God would have it, uh, in 1997, I started in the classes at Agape, and I knew I was uh, intending to prepare for the practitioner training, science of mind practitioner training, which is spiritual counseling. And really more the focus is on being a prayer practitioner, 
understanding prayer, knowing how the mind works, understanding the law of cause and effect, that kind of training, which prepared me so well to understand A Course in Miracles. I'm very grateful for it now. There, there's a plan. Uh, there's a script. And we have many options in the script, and we can find the highest path of love when we're willing to look for it. So, also in 1997, the Association for Global New Thought, AGNT, launched the Season for Nonviolence program. <coughs> And that I became involved with right away. So they, they had their first 64-day memorial campaign, memorial for Gandhi and King, in 1998. But the planning began in 1997, and I was very involved in that. So as I began to really study the personal practice of nonviolence and the teachings of Gandhi going to another level with the teachings of Gandhi because I started um, looking at those teachings when I was in college in the late 70s, early 80s and uh, also the teachings of Dr. King Martin Luther King Jr. on nonviolence, started looking at all of that in 97 and 98. And what I made the decision to do was to have a very strong personal practice of nonviolence. And I began talking about that and teaching about that. And so in my research... And my own personal practice of nonviolence, I started to look at my experience throughout the day, my experience of how life felt to me, of how my choices felt to me. So I started to look at, okay, if I say this now, is it loving or does it feel violent? Does it feel attacking? Does it feel unloving? So I began to look at all of my choices as being either loving or unloving. If I say this, is it loving or unloving? If I do this, is it loving or unloving? If I eat this, is it loving or unloving? Whatever it's was going on. If I don't eat this, is it loving or unloving? Really looking at it and noticing that things change throughout the day. Like to um, to eat this now would be loving. To eat this now would be unloving. Could be the same food, same quantity, same everything, but just I'm not hungry. I'm already full. If I have more of this food now, it's too much. Uh, if I eat this, uh, I don't know, dessert, am I, is it loving or unloving? It, it could go either way. It's 
so helpful to have a practice like this to teach us, I have given everything in the world all the meaning that it has for me. So while I didn't start studying A Course in Miracles till a decade later, this really helped me to start working those workbook lessons even before I read them. So looking at, is it loving or unloving? Is it kind or unkind? So that's how I began my true practice of being self-loving, was following how things feel. And that's exactly what Jesus tells us in the Course, in the text, that you'll know which it is, if it's loving or unloving, by how it feels. So, so many benefits to doing this practice moment by moment, day after day, because we develop a sensitivity to what's loving and what's unloving, and to being present to the presence, which is our true nature. So we become very present with ourselves. And so we can begin to incorporate this in how we live so that we are not having to necessarily stop and feel it. We can feel things as we go. We can just kind of ping it like a a bat uses sonar. We can ping things to go left, to go right, to go up, to go down, to go in, to go out based on whether or not it feels loving or unloving. So, very, very helpful. And going back to this, if you are unwilling to perceive an appeal for help, a cry for love, as what it is, it is because you are unwilling to give help and to receive it. To fail to recognize a call for help is to refuse help. Would you maintain that you do not need it? Would you maintain that you do not need help? That the reason why you're refusing or ignoring the cries for love is because you don't need love. You don't need help. Well, everyone needs help. Everyone. He says, yet this is what you're maintaining when you refuse to recognize a brother's appeal. For only by answering his appeal can you be helped. What? (laughs) There again, opposite day. This is what you're maintaining, that you don't need help when you refuse to recognize a brother's appeal. For only by answering his appeal can you be helped. It's funny, it comes into my mind, we have all this conversation now about what are your pronouns. So Jesus, <laughs> all everybody's our brother, everybody has the same pronouns. It's funny to me. Deny your brother your help, deny someone your help, and you will not recognize God's answer to you. When we deny help to our brothers and sisters, then we won't recognize God's answer to us. 
The Holy Spirit does not need your help in interpreting motivation, but you do need His. So we're opening to the Holy Spirit's help, and then we can be truly helpful with our brothers and sisters. So we go on here. Now we're again, chapter 12, section 1, paragraph 6 now. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. So can, and I say that love and gratitude are the most basic spiritual practice. So to me, in these two paragraphs, here it is again. Answering the cry for love and then appreciation is and only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. So gratitude, love, gratitude, love, gratitude. Staying in that place of offering love, receiving love, being loving, and being grateful, offering gratitude and appreciation. Staying in that all day, every day, raises us up, it heals our heart, it heals our mind, it heals our life and our finances and every part of our being. Yes. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. Gratitude is due him for both his loving thoughts and his appeals for help. For both are capable of bringing love into your awareness if you perceive them truly. Gratitude is due, everyone, for both their loving thoughts and their appeals for help. For both are capable of bringing love into your awareness if you perceive them truly. So one of the things that I've been talking about lately in our Masterful Living classes is have you ever noticed that you refuse love or help when it's offered of course of course we all have refused help and love and care when it's offered whether it's offered from the invisible or the visible world we've all done it Why? Because we didn't feel worthy. Because we incorrectly perceived it. Because we wanted to feel deprived. We wanted to feel like the victim of the world. Oh my God, I used to have so many temper tantrums and people would try to help me and I would refuse to let them help me. And I would storm around and feel like an idiot. I'd feel even more unworthy of love. It would be like a cartoon character drilling themselves into the ground, spinning around foolishly. But that was me. I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to open to receive the love It was threatening to me because I didn't feel worthy. It was threatening to me because I thought, oh, what am I going to have to give in return? I didn't really believe in unconditional love. I didn't understand all are worthy. 
And it is such a wonderful and deep and powerful and healing spiritual practice to give without conditions, to give love, to give assistance, to give kindness, to give money, to give support, to give food, to give time, energy, kind words, appreciation, needing nothing in return, to have no attachments to what you get back, to completely stop keeping score. And this is a world in which that is not the teaching. Oh my Lord, that is not the teaching. And aren't we grateful that we have found our way to a teaching of truth, a teaching of restoration, so that we can reclaim our right mind and walk in this world answering the cry for love, giving appreciation to our brothers and sisters who are reminding us that we are here only to be truly helpful, that that is the very nature and essence of our purpose. And we don't have to wonder what to say or what to do because we will be given that. Spirit will guide us. Our own holiness will guide us. So we have everything always, at all times, in order to answer the cry for love, all we need to do is be willing. If you feel like your life has a cry for love in it, that there are aspects of your life experience that are not going well, and you feel like you're playing small, that you are holding yourself back, that maybe you're keeping score and you're living in a, a sense of a lack of love and limitation. I have just the thing for you, and it's my Stop Playing Small Retreat, and it starts September 9th. It's online. This is an online retreat. People love doing it online. It really works. It's so effective. People are quite literally transforming their lives, their relationships, their experiences, their careers through the work that they're doing in that retreat. And it's joyful. It's happy making. It's a wonderful time. And I am inviting you to check it out. All the details are at jenniferhadley.com. All right, it's time for me to take a break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. You're listening to A Course in Miracles with me, Jennifer Hadley. We're walking the talk. We're living the love. And we're doing it for real. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. This is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles and God's plan for salvation. And we're reading in Chapter 12, Section 1, Paragraph 6, that only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. 
only appreciation. And sometimes it takes a moment. I remember one time, and I'm sure I talked about this at the time. I remember one time I was on a getting on a plane. I don't remember when uh, or where I was going, but I was getting on a plane, and uh, I went down the aisle, put down my purse, let's say, and probably had a drink and a snack or something, put all that on my seat. And then I turned around to pick up my roller bag and put it in the compartment above and just a little bit to the side. And as I was picking up that bag and I had it at about the level of my face, Right. And it was a little bit of a struggle for me because I usually have a, a, a bag full of books, uh, mostly because I don't want to put my books underneath because I, I, I don't want to risk losing them. Uh, I have notes in my books and they're treasures to me. So I have a bunch of stuff that I don't want to lose. And sometimes I have crystals and stones and goodness knows what I've got. So I'm I'm struggling to lift this up and I've got it just at about my head or shoulders level to give it another little lift, get it up into that overhead compartment. And this young man who looked to be late 20s, he took his bag and just as I was ready to put that in there, he popped his bag in to the one spot that was there in that overhead compartment. And I said, clearly I was just putting my bag in there. And he said, it's a doggy dog world. Something like that to me. Every man for himself. And I, I was stunned. I was stunned. And at first, I did react with annoyance. But then I just felt for this young man that, because he was traveling with a woman. Uh, and I thought how painful it would be to be a woman to see the man you're with treat another woman like that. Uh, I, I don't know what I would do if I were in her situation. I, I I just, I can't even imagine what that would feel like, seriously, too. Like, oh, uh, but then, of course, she probably is not surprised. But still, to my heart, even now, goes out to this young man that this is how he's been trained to operate in the world. And what a sense of lack of love he must feel that he would be behaving that way. God bless him. And let me give thanks for what he showed me, what he taught me. I, I have learned that when someone behaves unkindly, unlovingly, and they're offering that cry for love, that A, we can be thankful that 
we're there in that moment, that we can pray, that we can know the truth, that we can think loving thoughts, that we can offer compassion, loving understanding to the folks who are going through a difficult time. Isn't that what we would like when we are going through a difficult time, when we are not in our right mind? Wouldn't we like the folks around us to be able to extend love even silently, to not judge and condemn us, to help us to move out of our own self-condemnation, self-judgment? I know for so long my self-condemnation that my sense of personal lack was often met by others with their doubling down on my condemnation. So I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? Uh, What's my problem? Why can't I be loving? Why can't I be kinder? Why can't I stop holding this grudge or things like that. And people would come along and go, what's wrong with you? What is your problem? Mirroring back to me my own thoughts and feelings. And then I'd feel more helpless, more hopeless, more defensive. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live in a world where when someone is behaving poorly, that everyone nearby could turn, open their heart, open their mind, follow divine inspiration, guidance from that higher Holy Spirit self, and to answer the cry for love with love. What a different world we'd be living in, completely and totally different. And I think we're on a mission from God to do just that. And quite honestly, there is nothing more fulfilling to me than to know when the cry for love is offered, I can, if I would like to, I can offer love. So this is what it says in paragraph 5. Deny the other person your help and you will not recognize God's answer to you. So our questions to God, how can I be happy? How can I have more prosperity? How can I feel better about myself? How can I get my life on track? How can I make this life work? How can I heal my relationship with my brother, my sister, my mother, my father? How can I be better at my job? How can I hold on to this job? How can I find a better way to live? Deny your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your daughter, your son, your help, your loving understanding your compassion and you will not recognize God's answer to you. At God's answer, both words are capitalized. The A in answer is capitalized. So when we deny the cry for love 
and instead we're annoyed, we're frustrated, we're trying to change the person. You see, the the answer to the cry for love is not money. It's not the things of this world. It's love. The answer to the cry for love is love. It's compassion. And yes, sometimes it's very helpful to give somebody some money. It's very helpful to give them some food, a warm meal, a place to stay. Sometimes it's very helpful to bake a special cake for someone who feels nobody remembers their birthday. Sometimes it's so loving to be able to take someone shopping and buy them a new outfit so they can go on that job interview feeling good or that date or that whatever it is. Sometimes, yes, it's very helpful to, it's very loving to take that person to their doctor's appointment or to feed their cat while they're away. All these things, of course, they can be wonderful, loving expressions, but the Number one answer to the cry for love is to see the person as whole, as the living Christ within them shining forth. That is the number one way to answer the call for love. That's it. That is the number one most helpful response. And see, when we're doing that, because there's only one, we're doing it for ourselves. So deny your brother your help, and you will not recognize God's answer to you. Only appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. Gratitude is due him for both his loving thoughts and his appeals for help. For both are capable of bringing love into your awareness if you perceive them truly. And all your sense of strain comes from your attempts not to do just this. I notice in my life experience there is a steady stream of people who are much like I have been, which is they are behaving in such a way that they seem to be pushing me away. They seem to be pushing away my help, my love, my recognition of their magnificence. Sometimes it's a push-pull. They, they want to pull you closer and then they push you away. And what they're, I've come to see, fortunately, that they're not rejecting me. They're re- rejecting God's perfect love. They're rejecting unconditional love. They're rejecting being seen and felt and heard. And it's only because of their self-perception uh, what their opinion is of their themselves is being projected onto me, and they push me away because of that. And so the thing for us, if that's happening to us, it, it, we can recognize that sometimes people who have 
abandonment issues will actually push and push and push and push and push until people abandon them. And then they say, see, I knew it. I knew it. Because it confirms their worldview. We've all done variations of that, I think. And so the thing to recognize is if someone is pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing you away, that maybe that's how they need to experience and recognize, oh, that's not the way for me to do it. If I keep pushing, yes, they will go. But in fact, I do not want them to go. I would like to be able to draw them closer, not push them away. Spirit, show me how. Spirit, show me how. Show me how to draw that person closer. I'm willing. I'm really, truly willing. And we'll get the opportunity. Another thing is, if we know we've been pushing someone away, we can say to them, I know I'm pushing you away. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with me. It has to do with me not feeling worthy of love. It has to do with me feeling afraid of being seen. I don't trust love. So I'm pushing it away. And then maybe we can together remember to laugh. (laughs) And sometimes if we feel someone is pushing us and pushing us away, we can say, I feel like you're really pushing me away, pushing hard. And if you actually would like me to go, I'll go. But I'd just like you to know I'm only going because it seems to be what you would like. I would rather become closer, more connected, but it doesn't seem to be what you have in mind. So, this is one of the things Jesus talks a lot about in the Course, that we're really afraid of love. We're afraid of being loved. We're afraid of letting God love us. We're afraid of letting our brothers and sisters love us. So let's go back to appreciation is an appropriate response to your brother. Gratitude is due him for both his loving thoughts and his appeals for help, for both are capable of bringing love into your awareness if you perceive them truly. And all your sense of strain comes from your attempts not to do just this. How simple then is God's plan for salvation? There is but one response to reality, for reality evokes no conflict at all. So what is the one response to reality? Acceptance. Acceptance. Just acceptance. We could say love, appreciation. Those are two things, really. But acceptance. Acceptance of our, our reality. 
all of your sense of strain when life feels stressful, when life feels difficult, can we recognize maybe I'm not offering gratitude to my brothers and sisters? Maybe I'm not answering the cry for love. And that's why life feels strained and stressful. When I move into the flow of love and gratitude, love and appreciation, then life no longer feels stressful, at least not in the same way. So let's go back here. There is but one response to reality, for reality evokes no conflict at all. There is but one teacher of reality who understands what it is. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does not change his mind about reality because reality does not change. Although your interpretations of reality are meaningless in your divided state, his remain consistently true. So the Holy Spirit's interpretations of reality remain consistently true. The Holy Spirit gives them to you because they are for you. Do not attempt to help a brother in your way, for you cannot help yourself. So don't help your brother in your way, because you cannot help yourself. But hear his call for the help of God, and you will recognize your own need for God. So, <clears throat> to me, this is the crux of what he's saying here, that when we hear our brothers, sisters cry for love, if we recognize it as a call for the help of God, to remember our true nature, to remember what's true, what's real, to remember that we are perfect love, innocent and free. This is what the cry for love essentially is, to remember the truth, for assistance in remembering the truth, God's assistance in remembering the truth. This is what the cry for love is about. When we answer the cry for love with love, we have to be answering it with truth in our mind, that there is no separation, there is just one, and that we're being truly helpful. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent the one who sent me, or as it says, him who sent me. So when we're representing the one who sent me, answering the cry for love with God's help, God inspired. I don't have to wonder what to say or what to do because God who sent me will direct me. When we stand in that space, we are healed as well as the other person. I know I talk about this a lot, but 
it's easy to forget when we're not that interested in remembering it's easy to forget and I also talk about it a lot because this is our salvation right here this is God's plan for salvation right here now in paragraph 7 he says so wisely your interpretations of your brother's needs are your interpretation of yours so our interpretations of our brother's needs are actually a projection of our interpretation of our own needs what we think someone else needs is what we need by giving help you are asking for it and if you perceive but one need in yourself you will be healed so here's where we remember to have give all to all by giving help you're asking for it if we're asking for it we must be willing to receive it he says if you perceive but one need in yourself you will be healed what is the one need to rec- recognize we're one with our brothers our sisters our creator that's it he says By giving help, you are asking for it. And if you perceive but one need in yourself, you will be healed. For you will recognize God's answer as you want it to be. And if you want it in truth, it will be truly yours. Every appeal you answer in the name of Christ brings the remembrance of your Father closer to your awareness for the sake of your need then hear every call for help as what it is so god can answer you yes yes here's god's plan for salvation to have give all to all recognize the cry for love and answer it the way we're being guided and directed to be truly helpful offer appreciation as well as love appreciate the cry for love don't see it as a burden but recognize that when we are answering the cry for love recognizing the cry for love responding to the cry for love it's our own cry of love and to have give all to all without keeping score without keeping score god's plan for salvation is a winner It's a winning plan. God's plan for salvation works. So we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to make anything happen. We just follow the plan. That's it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. I am so grateful to be able to have 
this beautiful teaching and to share it with you. And I appreciate your interest in sharing it with me. We join together in this way. I thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I'd like to take a minute to say my Stop Playing Small retreat starts September 9th. If you feel like you have been playing small in your relationships, in your career, in your finances, in the care of your body, in your family, uh, any place in your life with your friends, it, it could be any number of ways that you're playing small, this retreat will help you to dissolve those patterns, to heal them back to the root. I say heal it to the root to have new fruit. So this is not about somehow playing big or playing large. It's really about getting out from under hiding, uh, keeping our feelings hidden, uh, pretending that things are okay when they're not okay, managing and coping with painful beliefs and thoughts. This is about really moving out of the darkness and shadow and into the light. So most of us have areas where we're playing small, and if you feel like you can't stand it anymore and you would like to move forward, you know, it's always amazing uh, how people feel at the end of the retreat. They're like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize how uncomfortable I was every day living that way. And what a shift, what a shift. And not only that, but it's a shift that you can share with all your coworkers, everyone you live with, with your family, with your friends. Because when one is lifted, all are lifted. So I invite you to check that out. Also, just so you know, we're going to have another class with Karen J. Gardner, uh, Anger, Peace, and Miracles, later in September. Then in October, Finding Freedom from Fear Boot Camp. We'll be offering it for the last time this year. And then in November, my Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive. Uh, such a deeply personally healing intensive training. So you can train to have better relationships, to be a, a better listener, a better communicator, and to open up your intuition. All the skills necessary for spiritual counseling uh, bring benefit in our relationships. So that intensive training, which is going to be online this November with me, is happening, and then we'll open Masterful Living registration for next year. So these are the things that are coming up. I'm so grateful and thankful to place my hand in my heart and to recognize the fullness of love is where we are, and we're choosing to share that with our brothers and sisters. So grateful and so thankful to let it be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.